Okay. So, welcome to the first episode of Medsuit and Amen's virtual podcast, 2020. Um, so, if you don't recognize me by my voice, my name is Rola Ali, and I'm going to be your host for the upcoming weeks, inshallah. Um, so, a little overview before we begin uh, today's episode. So, my goal with this po- podcast, like my mission statement, is that I really want, well, first and foremost, anyone who's listening to benefit even an atom's weight of anything um, and carry it through your life and help benefit others. But also I want to be able to create a platform where people realize that they can hear me talk and they can hear my guest, um, my guest speak, but they can also turn off the phone and text me and ask me or any of my guests for any advice or um, if they have any questions or anything of that nature. Um, so yeah, so that's just a little mission statement for this podcast and inshallah, um, it'll progress and it'll turn into something that the whole community will be able to uh, benefit from, inshallah. Um, so today's topic is a very interesting one, and it was voted on, um, inshallah, by the LMN community, because uh, this podcast really is going to be for the community, by the community type of thing, inshallah. And um, today's topic is going to be being a Muslim in America, with the subtopic um, of hijab and Islamic representation. Um, so yeah, and with that being said, I'm going to introduce the first guest. So this is a very heavy topic, inshallah, and um, we want to make sure that we dive deep into it. So our first guest is going to be Sarah Al-Alam, alhamdulillah. Uh, she has been kind enough to join me for our first episode, and inshallah, she'll help gain more insight on the topic, and it'll be a fruitful talk, inshallah. So Sarah, the floor is all yours. Uh, you can begin with an introduction of yourself, um, or we can jump right into the topic, so whatever you're comfortable with. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, everyone. I'm very grateful to have Rola. Mashallah, may Allah bless her. Uh, I wish I had somebody like Rola growing up, so I just just thought this was such a cool idea. Mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Um, I graduated from Rutgers, went to Columbia, studied physical therapy, became a physical therapist, grew up in Carteret, live in Brooklyn, have two brothers, I'm in the middle, one of them just passed away, Allahirrahmo, ask you all during this Ramadan to make special diet for him, Allahirrahmo, and uh, yeah, working in Brooklyn, and uh, born and raised out here, and I understand how important it is to have somebody that you can reach out to, just have real talk with, um, something, you know, you just kind of want to share something with somebody. So as a 32-year-old, I have quite a bit of experience out here, and I just want to extend myself alongside Rola to hit me up whenever, inshallah, with any anything. Alhamdulillah. Um, so I think it's really interesting that the, um, um, the community decided on this topic because I feel like it's one that is super heavy, super deep, um, and it's something that's really, like, individual, right? So, like, my experiences with being a Muslim in America is completely different than yours or my brother's or, you know, my Muslim friends. And that's just based off of who we surround ourselves with and also just how we're perceived by, um, I guess, like, the outside. But, um, yeah, that's, that's just my overview on the whole topic. I have a million stories I could tell you on how – being a Muslim affected me in terms of um, my schooling, in terms of 
my friend group, um, certain social activities that I was left out of, um, things like that. Especially, I feel like this is good because the community, mashallah, is youthful. So there's a lot of youth. And I find, um, I don't know if you agree, but I find like the there comes a time in our youth when Safala, we're almost embarrassed to be Muslim, right? Where we almost, I know for me too, you go out of your way to hide the fact that you're Muslim, right? Mm-hmm. So so whether that be school lunches or, or this is just like auto, but like there's certain things where you can show your Islam in a non-Islamic setting. But I look back and I'm like, I didn't do any of that because of the fear of the criticism that that I would have received, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just my overview. I don't know. What, what do you think about overall being a Muslim in 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 America? Because it's it's it's. I feel like it's viewed as a negative thing. It's viewed as something that's hard. Um. But but what do you think? You know. I think if you would have asked me this question a long time ago when I was growing up and I was in the youth, youthful stage, I would have responded in the same way that you shared, that that was my experience growing up. Um, and especially when you grow up and you're not around a Muslim community or you're not around Muslim friends, you find yourself sort of assimilating and wanting to assimilate assimilate and feeling like being like everyone else is, is the right way or the cool way. And like, thank God that the qualities that Muslims have as far as like just traditional values, right? Like your house is always open with food we're always super hospitable to guests and things like that just kind of had our house growing up, even though we weren't around Muslims, like the cool spot to be. Everybody felt our house was home because of those values that are made lovable to everyone. Yeah. But now I would say that what I've gained through years of studying, it's more like not just Islam, but studying the way the Qur'an teaches us to have Iman. I understand that whatever is in your heart is what you end up seeing and manifesting. You see it manifested in everything. So if you have fear and doubt and you're not like you're like not really confident, you don't really know what's going on, then you'll find situations that just show you that. If you feel inside, like, um, you know, you, you're, people aren't going to like me because I got this hijab on or people don't like Muslims, then surely you will find that it's almost like a prayer. And that's the Islamic way of saying it, right? Like, it's a fi'ali dua. It's a dua in action form. It's, mm-hmm. It starts as a dua in your mind. Like, you're like, oh, they're not going to like me. They're not going to like me. They're not. And you're repeating this. And then you find something that you interpret as they don't like me because that's the chatter that's happening in your mind nonstop. Yeah. Um, Whereas when your heart is at peace and you've reached a new level, you find only peace around you. Yeah. Yeah. And not even that, 
it's also about like I feel like with my experience, there's kind of people think being a Muslim creates um, some type of disadvantage, and it might when you're in front of the wrong people, right? But I also think I asked a lot of my friends, and they're they're much older than me. They're in the business field. They're you know they've started their careers, mashallah, and you know, I asked them yesterday just in terms of research for this talk, and I was like, what do you think is the hardest thing about being Muslim? And a lot of them said, you know, we are not at a even playing field, right, where we feel like we are being doubted um, and our abilities are doubted and our intelligence um, is doubted because of the fact that uh, we wear a scarf or the fact that we are Muslim, right? So so I take that as I um, have, re- like, I, I can definitely relate to that, and I'm someone who you know, I'm a high school senior, um, as you know, but I live in a predominantly white area. Like, I am the only Muslim in my grade. Um, and then there's one more Muslim, and that's it. Um, and in terms of, I take it as, at first, it was very um, overwhelming. And it made me, like, look for Muslims um, outside of school, clearly. But I think I took that opportunity and it really, and my mom really just taught me that you have to um, make your mark type of mm-hmm. thing. So, so yeah, you're, it's hard being a Muslim. Yes, it is. Um, but it's not impossible, right? It's, it's actually a blessing that you now have the ability and you have the tools to change the lives and the opinions of people that are in front of you. So, like, an example that I, I always use when it comes to this is, um, clearly we're not going to change all of America. We're not going to change the news outlets and what they think of Muslims um, and the, you know, deep-rooted stereotype that is going to, that was here before us and is going to be here after us, right? But we can change the people who are in front of us, their opinions. So, for example, if we're at the grocery store, right, and um, I hate blonde people, just, this is a complete, um, this is hypothetically, uh, I have nothing against blonde people, but say I, I have a deeper issue with people who are blonde, for example. And um, I see someone in the grocery store and they happen to be blonde and they smile at me or they let me cut in front of them or they I drop something and they pick it up. Automatically, it is human nature for me to now assume that all blonde people are, you know, caring, giving, kind, right? That's just how we are. We if we think about history, the actions of really one group or one man or whatever you want to say kind of has this long-lasting effect on on Muslims today and, and forever, really. But you can change as, as a flag of Islam, as you're walking around and you represent Islam, whether it be your beard, whether it be your name, whether it be your hijab, um, you can really take that and make it something that even in the grocery store, even when you're driving, you let someone cut in front of you, you're going to give them a new perception of Islam and you're going to be the face of Islam for them, right? Um, but yeah, that's that's my thought on using it to your advantage. Sure. You, as you were talking, it reminded me of my brother, Hamel. may Allah just pour upon him for mercy and pardon all of his sins because his name was Muhammad. Yeah. He was the only Muhammad working for the government as a um, extremely brilliant engineer, mashallah, and despite his brilliance, he was faced with so much challenge, and subhanAllah, um, I just, I want to offer the Imani 
side of, of what we're saying. Because from one aspect, what you're talking about is on a horizontal plane, like on earth, this is what we see. Yeah. And if we focus on the people, this is what it is. Now, because Ramadan is the month of the Quran, and it's such a special time, yep. the Quran is like everything that you're seeing, I'm actually doing it. Mm. Every person that you're actually interacting with, I set it up for you. Mm-hmm. And and I set it up for you, for your personal learning experience here on earth, and you don't share that with nobody. It means everything that you experience in your life is between you and your maker for the sole purpose that we were brought down on earth, right? Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve were chilling in paradise, and then all of a sudden, Adam, they say, was kicked out or was sent down, let's say. He was sent down. And the universe now becomes a university so that we can learn what was not accessible in paradise. Mm, yeah. And what is it that we're supposed to be learning, right? Like everybody says, oh, yeah, the purpose of life is to worship. But we don't really know what that means, right? Mm-hmm. The human being is a seed. And once that seed was planted on earth, Oh, we got storms now. There's plenty of rain pouring down, mm-hmm. right? We have to yeah. deal with all types of turmoil when the you got to turn the soil. There's weeds everywhere growing that just are growing nonstop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could be the comparison of like negativity, you know, what we perceive yeah. as like this negative thing that's just everywhere. And here's this this experience now for us to blossom into this beautiful tree, the fruits of which we'll see in paradise. But we taste them here as well. So that's just mm-hmm. kind of, again, it's like the Imani side. So in every yeah. single situation, somebody comes at you wrong. You can either, A, and this is God bless to see Amina and Imani Saeed Nursi, that they receive this attitude, this perspective from. But from mm-hmm. one aspect, it's like two sides of a coin. You get to choose. You have free will. The only way we're actually using our free will is to choose how we're going to see the situation. You can, it's like a coin. One side focuses on the person. Yeah. Oh, they did me wrong. How could they, 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 it's all set up, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Or you flip the coin and you see that it came from your creator. Yeah. It's up to you. But last thing I want to say, Allahyarham Muhammad, um, he has this video mm-hmm. that he posted when he was, he loved to inspire and motivate youth. And he said, before reaching success, think about it in the dictionary, you first see adversity, right? Mm. First, and then you see failure, and then you see struggle before you could see success. And I think that that's in line with, with yeah. what we see in the world and, um, you know, what the Quran teaches as well. MashaAllah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So I... Um, I love that, and I. A lot of questions I got um, in terms of preparing for this podcast was, um, I give. So I, I really didn't want to make this a uh, gender specific talk, right? Because I, I think being Muslim, it's really the it's not gender based, and it really just because I have a hijab on, 
um, you know, my brothers get recognized for being Muslim the same way I do, just because of their name, um, the beard, whatever. Um, but I did get a lot of questions on how to deal with the negativity around you, but also continue to stay motivated to where the heck is. And if not, what can you do to kind of calm your fears about the negativity around you when you're preparing to wear Higgins. So I'm, I don't really, uh, with that topic, I, I always used to think I, I knew what I was talking about, but I realized that I don't in terms of, um, like I said before, it's really just everyone's specific journey. And, you know, my journey to Higgins and my journey to um, Allah is, was something that was unconventional, right? And it was, it was something where I, yes, alhamdulillah, I was born and raised Muslim, but when do you, really, there comes a time in your life when you stop believing for the sake of your parents and you start believing for the sake of Allah, right? Um, so with that, I, I really just wanted your insight on how you deal with the struggles that are presented in front of you when you're a, a clear um, flag of a sin. Yeah. Vola, I think... What would be really cool is for you to share your experience and then okay. I'll also share my experience as well because I was, life was just so different for me. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'll i share my experience and I hope, may Allah make it of a benefit to somebody else. And like I said, I'm mm-hmm. putting myself out there as a sister. Anybody call me anytime. I'll just go to my number or say it on this thing and then call me anytime. Yeah. But when I was a senior in college, I had just got my hair done, and mm. I, like, I don't know, I started noticing that people, girls and guys, would treat me in a way that was strictly focused on how I looked, and they would sort of um, project on me, like, girls got drama all of a sudden about stuff. Mm. Boys yeah. stuff and boys are just looking at you like this walking Barbie. Yep. And somehow I just felt like this ain't me. Like this is not really who I am, man. Like it just it made me feel so uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I wasn't praying at the time. Yeah. I wasn't doing any religious activities. Maybe a drama here and there, just because I was feeling so low and didn't have any Muslim friends at that time. Yeah. And um. Eventually, I was just like, I'm going to just cover this hair because it somehow is going to help me go more inward to this place that I want to be. And yeah. I just started wrapping it in a bun, just kind of covering it. And immediately, I just felt like relief. Like, I'm yeah. not this body. I'm not this. And it, I, I don't really know who I am yet at this point, but which is a, the journey of a lifetime, right? It's not like something yeah. you just discover and you're done probably solved. <laughs> But um, that summer, I went to Egypt. So I, I became a Hadabi October 14th, 2008. And then, mm-hmm. sorry, side note, I just love when Hadabis just know their day. It's like, yeah. I know my date, yeah. <laughs> I celebrated too. It's like a birthday. And, yeah, it's like such a celebration. And yeah. uh, alhamdulillah that we get that feeling, right? And yeah. also, so I put the Hadab on sophomore year right before 9-11 happened because my mom mm-hmm. was telling everybody, Sada's going to become a hijabi, Sada's going to become a hijabi. Became a hijabi, 9-11 happened. 
kept the hijab on just again just tying it in the back wearing whatever I wanted anyway it was really just a head cover at that point it wasn't a hijab and then the next year I kept it on like whatever I just really it was like more of a cultural thing and it didn't really have any value and then I remember when I was wearing my short sleeve shirt and my hijab my head wrap my scarf Mm -hmm. I'll call it my dad was like Sada you either do it right or don't do it at all I was like that actually makes sense and I took it off I took it off. Lo and behold, I found that, again, I was treated like this body. But for some reason at that point in time, I guess I I liked that, you know, when I did my hair nice, I would get positive responses from people. Mm-hmm. And fast forward now, college, it was a new low that I felt. And we were talking mm-hmm. about this low like, and you were just referencing it again. Mm-hmm these lows or these adversities or these struggles or these failures is deliberately and consciously made as a feeling that you are going to feel no matter what in this world Mm -hmm. because it's the law of the creator uh, as to how we grow and how we make breakthroughs under, under some sort of immense pressure. And the more immense the pressure, the greater the breakthrough. So anyhow, I eventually, I went to Egypt that summer. I saw my grandma take her last breath before my eyes. I was so confused. I only Mm -hmm. knew science at that point. I took place, I was there, standing there, washing, helping with this body washing and observing, wrapping somebody up that was just breathing and smiling yesterday. And then when I came back, I knew that, I needed to look more into the meaning of life because I witnessed death so closely. So as per the challenges, right? Yeah. The only challenges I felt before I went to Egypt was like, people are going to think of me. I was so insecure, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, people are going to be thinking of me a certain way. But then subhanAllah, like, I also had this need in my heart, like, nah, but I want to keep it on because, like, I wasn't good and now I'm feeling a little better. Because of what your heart is feeling, the one who knows your heart sets it up for you. All of a sudden, it was this Hispanic convert who was a Shia Muslim who hooked me up with this book on on, um, Hadith. And Mm -hmm. that summer, I was reading it, and I'm like, wow, yeah, I just felt God speaking to me in a new way. By the time I came back, let me tell you something. Mm. I had to go on interviews to all these different schools. I get accepted at Columbia, the only hijabi. All right, but I had a new thing in my heart, okay? Mm -hmm. Then I had to go on interviews for um, a scholarship just for pediatrics. Okay, wow, accepted. I had Mm -hmm. to be only a handful of people, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff, because my heart was in a new place, all I I saw was bounty. Yeah. I'm I'm getting A pluses. I've never seen A pluses at Rutgers, but I was getting A pluses at Columbia. SubhanAllah. Mm-hmm. And I'm only saying this to say, like, when your heart is aligned now with the meaning of it, and we could talk about what's the meaning of it, like why I do it, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just, when your heart is in a good place, even when you see struggles, you go to God. When you see blessings, you go to God. And now the struggles aren't like it's them against me. It's like, all right, God, like, what's up? You sending me something yeah. my way to go pray. Hmm. Let me ask you for guidance. Let me let me admit to you 
that I really feel bad right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel so needy, and I don't complain to nobody but God, right? I think that's an A in Surah Yusuf. Yeah. So, so there's this new relationship that comes if we do it from our heart. Because like I said, when I was doing it from as a scarf, I didn't feel anything but struggle. So where does the transformation really need to happen? It needs to happen at the level of the heart. Mm. Yeah. Inshallah. I think, yeah, I think with, I relate to your story for sure. And I think if we're sharing our stories, I think mine is, um, I, it's one of the, I think it's the most fascinating thing about me in terms of, um, well, I'll just start from the beginning so it's not confusing. I grew up uh, from like first to, uh, I want to say 10th grade at Ocean Township, right? I um, I lived there. I had a group of friends. We did everything together, um, non-Muslims, but it wasn't even a problem for me, right? I didn't even, that wasn't even a, a concern of mine. And uh, I we, you know, I lived my life, whatever, and then Allah decreed it that we moved, right? And and we moved to Howell, where I live now, and um, yeah, literally the worst time of my life, right? You can ask my mom about it. You can ask my um, my friends that have heard about it now because you know they were uh, they weren't necessarily in my life at that point, but it it is the hardest thing I've went through in terms of me being stripped away of everyone I knew. And it's the type of thing where um, you realize, um, Allah made me realize that I needed to look inward, like you said, 100%, because I found my best friend, the people that I, you know, my ride or die type of people, um, you know, once I moved, they weren't asking about me. You know, their life moved on. When you can ask my mom, I was upstairs in my room, um, tears every night, right? It was nonstop. My life completely flipped. I did not care about my appearance. I did not care about my uh, my school. I didn't care about my future. I didn't care about anything. I really did not. Um, and it was the worst time of my life, but it yielded the best time of my life, right? So I, I went through that, and I was really alone. I had no friends in Howell, right? And I and I wasn't willing. To, I, I did not want to get back into the mojo. And right, I it's sophomore year in high school. Everyone's already got their group going into it, right, and at this point, I did not have the hijab on, oh, by the way, yeah, I did not have the hijab on, but um, I was not even thinking about it, I was that girl, right, we, we all, I feel like we all go through this phase where I'm like, as soon as I get married, right, as soon as I get married, inshallah, I'm gonna put my hijab on, right, like, the day after I get married, right, and um, I put this, like, time on it, like, uh, a calendar time, and I, and I was like, maybe right before I go to college, maybe, well, not right now, because it's summertime, blah, 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 right, not right now because my hair is looking so good. Um, I just cut my hair. I just did it, right, all that stuff. And it, and it really wasn't a thought in my in my head. And um, my aunt, right, she is, mashallah, she is pious, and she tried from the jump when I was 13. She tried to have me put my, um, my hijab on. And I remember going into middle school, and or was it elementary school at that point? Middle school, no, middle school. And I told everyone, it was a Friday, I'll never forget, and I told everyone in the locker room, I walked in, I was like, guys, Monday, I'm going to come in. Um, my head is going to be covered. Do not treat me differently. Um, and I just gave them this warning, right? Because <laughs> I was like, don't treat me differently because that's really what I was afraid of, right? Again, mm-hmm. that's just me doing it for them, me doing it for what are people going to think of me, right? And subhanAllah, Monday came and it went and I did not put the hijab on, right? Um, 
for whatever reason, it was just something my 13-year-old was, I'm not doing that. I, I don't want to. I love my hair, and I'm going to be ugly without my hair, right? And fast forward, I'll never forget, it was November 10th, and there was a family night, right, um, for the Smudget, and I went, and I did my hair, right, and I got in the car, and again, not one intention of putting the hijab on, not one, not even in my heart, and um, at that point, I had, I, I still was going through um, some rough times without, without any friends or anything, and I, and I looked into the Mexican, right, my mom just took me to the Mexican because she was like, if she's not going to find friends here, let me just, like, submerge her into the Mexican, and alhamdulillah that she did, right, um, but she, yeah, yeah, she went, we went to the family night, and I remember taking pictures, whatever, we were doing our thing, and a sheikh was, um, sitting, and he was, he was giving just the talk, and he brought Hageb up, right, very casually, and I was the only non-Hagebi in the room, right, and it wasn't a thing for me, people knew me, like, it wasn't even like that, no one was looking at me, but my insecurities, I felt like the whole room was watching me, right, um, mm-hmm. I look back, and I promise you, not one person was looking at me. But <laughs> it felt like it felt like I the light was on me. Like I, I had to like I had to get up, and I was like I gotta go. Like I can't I can't stay here. But he was talking, and he was like, "It's a fitna, um, you know, girls right now are not wearing hijab, and when they are wearing hijab, they're doing it for the wrong reasons." And he just right, and and I felt this pure, and it's not necessarily what he said that that made me put my hijab on, but the feeling of pure embarrassment and I was like who am I embarrassed of who am I embarrassed from people mm-hmm. right because at the end of the day people people come and go right and embarrassment by time it heals and people forget about it okay. but how embarrassed am I some technical difficulties but we're back alhamdulillah um but like I was saying I I was so embarrassed the feeling of embarrassment right with people it comes and goes but I was like how am I going to stand in front of my creator right Knowing that I know what is right, knowing that I know what I'm supposed to do, and that embarrassment is going to be great. It is going to be right. We cannot even fathom. So I, I took that home, and I um I remember in the car, my brother said something. I don't know, right, just picking on me or whatever he was doing, and I just broke down. And they thought I was I was crying because Ahmed said something to me, but in reality, I was just going through a literal existential crisis I was like what am I doing here right mm-hmm. is this scarf going to really change the way I feel and right it was and before it was I was just like you I in terms of praying just action right it was just me doing movements with my body no type of connection no type of heart no type of soul but um I so so alhamdulillah that was November 11th came that was, that was Saturday and I sat my mom down and I was like I need to put the hijab on and my mom and dad were, first of all, blindsided because I was like, they were like, where is this coming from, right? And I had just gotten my hair done too. I just got a haircut, um, <laughs> like a hundred dollars <laughs> hair. My mom was like, what? What'd you do that for then? But um, <laughs> I told them I need to do this, and my parents, alhamdulillah, they said nothing. Alhamdulillah, they said nothing, <laughs> they said nothing because they know who I am, right? I am. I need someone to tell me what to do. I never make decisions on my own. I can't, I literally can't, right? So I'm indecisive. I need someone to tell me the answer, and then I'll go off that. So they didn't say anything, right? And I was I, I needed someone to tell me to do it. I needed it from the bottom of my heart. So I was like, I'm going to call my aunt, the one who wanted me to do it when I was 13, 
and they would not let me call her, right? They were like, if you're doing this, you are going to make this decision for yourself because you're not taking it off, period. Like, there's no, right, there's no talk about it. And they were just like your dad. You're going to do it right or you're not going to do it, right, because this is not a game. It's not a joke. It's, it's, if you're going to make that decision, okay, know the consequences, do your research, um, but you're not going to take it off. Right, so they didn't say anything, and my dad was like, you need to be careful because don't make um, a harsh decision based off of what, what you heard the sheikh said, right? What, what you heard him say, but, but don't go and make a life-changing decision, right? But subhanAllah, like I told you, it wasn't even what the sheikh said. It didn't even matter what he said. I don't, honestly, I can't even tell you what he said. All I know is what I felt. Okay? <laughs> I, can, I can't even tell you. But um, flash forward, Sunday, right, so not that big of a jump. Um, I, the whole day, that whole weekend, I spent just thinking, and I was, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then I was like, just do it, because you need this. I, like, I, I've never needed something more than what, that I, when I needed to put the one. I needed a connection with Allah so bad, and I didn't even know, right? I didn't even know I needed it. I didn't even know it was going to bring that. But I felt like I, I would rather do anything in this world than go out one more time with my hair out and with. Um, non-Hegebi clothing, right? I, it was, I, I felt almost disgusted, even though not even two days ago I was doing my hair, I was feeling myself in the mirror, and it was all good, right? SubhanAllah, the, the, the flip that my heart did, he is the flipper of heart. He's the turner of heart, right? Not even within a second, it was decreed upon me that I was going to put the Hegeb on that Monday, um, November 12, 2018, right? I have not even... Um, been a, I haven't even had it on for two years, but alhamdulillah, I have seen, like you said, right? And this is not me promoting, I, obviously I'm promoting Hageb. I think Hageb is beautiful. I think every girl should look into it and should discover it, but don't put it on just for the sake of putting it on, right? Or don't put it on just for the sake of pleasing your parents or um, for of confining to, to norms that the Muslim community has put, but put it on because you desperately need something to connect you with Allah, right? And, and since then, I've seen, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, blessings on blessings on blessings, and academically, right? I got a group of friends who, you know, are way better than my friends before in terms of non-judgmental, in terms of they accept me for who I am. They learn about my religion, right? And, and on the flip side, I, I, I've got Muslim friends that, subhanAllah, I, one of my best friends, I live next to her, for 11 years, right? We lived 10 minutes, not even, I want to say five minutes away from each other. We never connected. Our parents knew each other this whole time. We never connected. We never did anything. I put the hijab on a month later. We developed this friendship. Now we live 30 minutes away, right? 35 minutes away. But subhanAllah, right? This, this friendship just um, emitted. And it's not because I put the hijab on, but that was just a, just the blessing from making that decision. And even if you don't want to make that commitment of let me go cover my hair, if you don't feel like you're ready for that, take a step to Allah. He will come running towards you, right? It's, it's just another way of us reaching out to Allah. And, and it was just at a time for both of us where we were extremely desperate for any type of connection. And, in, and we looked for it in the dunya. I mean, I did. I looked for it. I scoured every corner of my life to find some type of, fulfillment physically um mm-hmm. type of the dunya and nothing mm-hmm. right nothing at least long term right temporary 
but um yeah so alhamdulillah i i have had the hijab on i've it's it's not easy right it, it it's the best thing i've ever done alhamdulillah i thank god for it on the daily on the daily because it's the best thing i've ever done and it changed my life but i walk into a room and like i said i'm the only muslim but i'm okay with that now right like i the program that i'm in at school i'm the only muslim right the um university that I'm going to when I went I found that I was the only Muslim um you know I'm, I'm sure that they're inshallah Muslims enrolling but at that time I was like wow right and it it didn't even matter to me even though before you know you you think I'm sorry um I want to let you reflect on this but um you think that taking away something from your beauty right in terms of you know society tells us hair is beautiful hair is beautiful you think taking that away would cause more insecurity would cause um, lower self-esteem, when in reality, it's the complete opposite, right? You get, I walk into a room now, and I am a thousand times more confident than I was mm-hmm. before the hijab, right? Mm-hmm. Even though to others, I've, I've heard, oh, you're way prettier without the hijab. You're way prettier with your hair out. But I did not feel it, right? I did not feel this confidence. I did not feel like what I was saying mattered, what I was saying needed to be heard, what I what I do is important, Um and that just comes with, yeah, alhamdulillah, the connection to Allah and the the self-reflection that is needed. And it's hard and it's, um, and it has to be done alone, type of thing. But, yeah. And so what we're learning now, right, what we can, mm-hmm. the listeners, what, what you guys can is, extract so far is that when you feel a need for anything, it could be friendship, it could be people are letting you down, it could be you don't feel pretty. It could be whatever. It could be something just doesn't feel good. Like, I wish I could talk to somebody. That need is a call. Mm. And that, how do we answer that call? You say, And then he will guide you to your next step that feels easy and sweet and, and fulfills that need. But we just need to start building that relationship by connecting our needs. And then the inspiration just comes, like a feeling. Mashallah, roll up beautifully shared. It's like a mm-hmm. feeling that hits you like lightning. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's something that's an inspiration that's just sent down. And how is it sent down? We have no idea, but we just feel the effect. And then mm-hmm. it moves us to act. So when you said hijab is not easy, right? What yeah. came to my mind is, yeah, Allah make it easy, right? Mm-hmm. Because change, change that word that chatter in your head that says yeah. it's not it's not easy, it's hard. Mm. That's a prayer. Change it into, yeah. yeah, Allah, make it easy. Let me tell you something. When I started putting hijab on, I forgot I was wearing it. I would walk into the room and be like, hey, what's up? Oh, mm-hmm. Whoever I was really inside, and they'd be like, oh, I never met a ghetto Muslim. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I'm going to just let that ride. Yeah. Okay, next, because that was at Columbia. But I just completely forgot that I had it on at some point because my yeah. heart was just so charged. Like, I just felt so aligned, mm-hmm. and the, so so. Let's work on getting our hearts connected to the source by just talking to Him. Mm. Like like Lola mm. beautifully said, take one step wherever you're. If you're already wearing hijab and you don't feel like it's meaningful, pray for meaning, pray for guidance, pray for inspiration. If you're not wearing it, but you want to take a step and you don't know what your next step should be, turn it into a heart to heart. Well, stuff so like we can't say heart to heart, but turn your heart. To the one who hears, 
and just let it out, however it comes. You don't have to use any specific language, but without that turning, it's like we're turning our back, right? That's what the Quran says. It's like you're turning Mm -hmm. your back to the guidance. You're not even looking at it. Your head is down. Your eyes don't see it. But turn Mm -hmm. to, turn towards your creator, and you'll find something new. But we got to, every new moment that we are given a breath is a new opportunity to connect. So I love, I love what you shared. Mashallah, it's, it's a great reminder. Anything, anyone that upsets you, anyone, anything that you need, you just, maybe that's the real meaning. Through hijab, we're talking about how we can have a real significant relationship and then it just keeps on developing, right? Like Lola said, mm-hmm. like it's, still, it's still not easy. Well, mashallah, great, there's more work to do. Let's keep struggling. Let's keep let's keep growing. Like what out how what new level can I get to now with turning my need for ease? Yamu yasir, yasirli. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh one who makes it easy, make it easy for me. How can I change it into a prayer? Because if I say, Yo, it's so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard then when I go into mm-hmm. the room, in my mind, I'm like, It's so hard, it's a prayer. Then all of a sudden something happens to confirm what's inside of you. Don't get me wrong. There's times where I'm wearing a hijab and I'm going to work and I get hit with new calamities nonstop. But Allah says, I'm sending you the calamities so that you can grow. So I can sit there and project, nah, it's because I'm hijabi. It's because they're racist. And I've done it plenty of times and every in my professional life and whatever. But was mm-hmm. it really that they were racist or was God just challenging me? I got to choose what, what side of the coin I'm going to look at. Because that's how it's gonna. You're gonna interpret your events based on the perception that you have. So Ramadan is a great time for prayer. And what else you got, Rola? What else you got? No, you you basically covered it. No, I just I also wanted to add something that I've been trying to do. I don't know. This is we're kind of getting like I'm. I feel like I'm getting off topic with this, but I feel like it needs to be said. So I'm gonna let it out. But um, uh, changing the way you talk. Right. In terms of um, I used to be or sometimes I still catch myself being like, oh, um, this is not going to happen before anything even happens. Right. Oh, I'm this person's upset with me. This person's I'm never going to get this opportunity. I'm never going to get tomorrow's going to be a bad day. Tomorrow didn't even start. You didn't even fall asleep. You don't even know if you got tomorrow. Right. So it's kind of like very interesting to me how I find like I'm still um, so young and. Um, if Allah gives me life to continue, I, something I'm trying to improve on, just like you said, like changing the way you talk. Because now, like, like you told me before, non-Muslims want to call it, you know, manifestation. They want to call it um, speaking it into existence, all that good stuff. But the laws of attraction, the secret. Yes, yes. Um, but in reality, Islam has been saying that from, from the jump, right? Like you need to, if I look here, you need to, realize that you need to attract good. You need to speak good, right? And and what you think of Allah is what he is, right? So mm, if, you, if you think, oh, Allah's upset with me or Allah's not going to give me this opportunity or Allah uh, is punishing me for this and this, okay, that's what's going to happen. But if you Even think if Allah's Allah name in it, right? But if you're like, they're going to judge me as soon as I walk into the room. They're being hard mm-hmm. on me because of Muslim. They're not giving me an opportunity because I'm the only brown person. They're, yeah. Yeah. Then that's what you will see, because it's yeah. already what you've accepted to be true. Then that's 
Your iman now is not iman de la, it's iman de cause and effect. It's iman de circumstances. It's iman, mm-hmm. I believe that, that these circumstances are, are the real cause. It's not Allah. It's that this person's racist. It's that these people don't like Muslims. It's because Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. That's the real creator. Be careful. Yeah. Ramadan is a time of purification of the heart. Through the fasting, we can say, hold up. Who's the real, who's the real doer? doing everything mm-hmm. now. For sure. Like, don't you see how mm-hmm. don't you see how it's me who sends down the rain? No, no, I don't see that it's you. It's raining. The clouds are doing it. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. The same way, like, Allah's like, don't you see how it's me who sets you up with this situation? Now, we don't know the benefit of it yet because they say hindsight is twenty twenty, so you don't need to know the wisdom of what's happening in order to just feel that you need something and turn to God. Mm-hmm. Eventually, inshallah, when you stay patient, stay patient, stay in a state of prayer, keep keep connected to the source, keep connected to your creator, the one who made you, the one who loves you, and mm-hmm. inshallah, you'll be, wisdom and the knowledge will come to you. Um, that was beautiful, yeah. You basically summed up my thoughts exactly, and it's it's it, it's something I feel I'm working on. I assume you're working on every. It's like I said before, and I'm always gonna say this: it's a journey, right? Never ending. Well, an mm-hmm. ending, but never stopping for sure. Alhamdulillah. This is that's literally all I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so, if you wanna, we basically got it covered. Like you said, thirty minutes was perfect. Um, but if you want to add anything else, feel free. If you want to throw another topic, feel free. Um, I'm at your disposal for sure. But in terms of the topic at hand, I feel like we got it covered for sure. Alhamdulillah. I just want everyone to know, again, you can reach out to me on Facebook. You can reach out to me on my personal cell phone or my email address. Um, what do you think, Bola? Should I give it all out now? Or do you want to just... Um, inshallah, if you if you want me to, I could just put it in the description. Um, whatever. And once the link is sent, if you guys look in the description, or if this is going to turn into a YouTube video, inshallah, it'll be in the um, description right. uh, as, long, as well as my number. I feel like everyone who's listening um, uh, knows how to reach me, but if you don't, I'm literally on every social media. Um, <laughs> you can reach me through there. Your mom probably has my mom's number. Reach me through there. Um, <laughs> I am <laughs> literally an open book, so so please, I, I we all are in this together. So yeah, love bless you, Rola, for mm-hmm. Thank I you. A, fruitful, a fruitful project and that you'll see the fruits of in this world and eternally. May Allah grant us all sabah. Pour on us this beautiful patience that puts trust in you and make us firm in our hearts Make us anchored in the truth and protect us from anything that rejects you. And uh, I just ask you guys to make dua for my brother Muhammad. May Allah bring him and all of our brothers and sisters and parents that have passed away and make them super happy where they are now. And I mean, Jazakumullah khair. Rola, Jazakumullah khair. Thank you so much, Sora. I really appreciate it. Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless you for all your efforts. And um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for listening.
And um, yeah, this is the end of the first episode. Alhamdulillah, it went very smoothly. Alhamdulillah. All right.